The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. It's Gary Parrish. Welcome back. CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we do sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Eye on College Basketball Podcast. It's presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your brain and David. You have consent. Don't forget why you're here. Also, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel if you haven't done that already. Let's get into it. There are only, I counted, six Saturdays remaining in this regular season. Tomorrow, lots of fun matchups. We're going to pick some of them in the final four in one. But I want to start with Gonzaga-Kentucky. It's a rare February non-league game between two big brands. Tip is scheduled Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. You can watch it. On CBS, it's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Gonzaga needs the win to start building an at-large resume to match its still mostly strong computer numbers. Kentucky needs the win probably to remain ranked in Monday's AP poll and to avoid losing for what would be the fourth time in a six-game span and for what would be the second time in a four-game span to an unranked opponent at home. Deadleg, first question. Who needs it more, Kentucky or Gonzaga? Second question. This is the poll question right now. We'll give you the update later in the show. Will Gonzaga make the 2024 NCAA tournament? Uh, I'll ask you to answer that in just a couple minutes here. Uh, Who needs it more? I believe Gonzaga needs it more by the pure basis of why I just brought up the other question. Uh, Kentucky's going to the NCAA tournament. Now it's, it's seed situation has been slippery as of late, but Gonzaga in my estimation has zero chance at uh, at an at large bit, if it does not go on the road and beat Kentucky in this game, uh, if that were to happen, then it would be looking at three quad one opportunities remaining. Uh, I think I talked about this in the last show. Maybe um, if it lost to Kentucky, it would still have a quad one at San Francisco. It would have a quad one at St. Mary's, and then theoretically would have a quad one in the WCC semis. But if you brought that scenario into play where it doesn't get the automatic bid, uh, uh, three quad one wins against a let's see, that would likely be right now Gonzaga's numbers are I've got them here. Their Q1 record is 0 and 5. So 0 and 6, 3 and 6, 3 and 7 in quad one because they would lose the WCC right. championship game in that scenario. Um, I don't think that would be enough. They'd actually be under 500 
most likely or 500 at best in the top two quadrants in that situation. Uh, right now, Gonzaga 17 and six best wins are against San Francisco per the net, by the way, the best wins right now are San Francisco, Syracuse and USC. The only three top 100 wins in the net that Gonzaga has and San Francisco sits at 64th. Worst losses are at Santa Clara at Washington at San Diego State. So um, the losses aren't atrocious for the most part, but the resume just doesn't have enough right now. So uh, Gonzaga, in my estimation, needs it more. One, do you agree with me? Two, uh, to the question that's currently in the poll in the live chat, feel free to vote if you're watching, obviously. Will Gonzaga make the 2024 NCAA tournament, Gary Parish? yes or no? I'm going to say no. Okay, so you got him no at large, and you got him losing either in the title game or the semis. I mean... What have we seen in this season to make you say yes? On the same token, you have said yes to Michigan State. Have you seen enough from them to make you say yes? Do you not trust Tom? This isn't even a snarky question. It's a genuine, genuine question. Do you not mm-hmm. trust Mark Few on the same level that you trust Tom Izzo? I don't even think about it in those terms. I, I, I simply think about it in these terms. Michigan State has shown an ability, not often, but an ability to beat a good team to win a big game. They can do that, all right? And the rest of the schedule is favorable, but also filled with opportunities to enhance the resume. So if I'm betting on Michigan State to get there right now, I'm not betting on them to win the Big Ten tournament. I'm betting on them to get an at-large, and I'm betting on them to do well against a favorable schedule going forward. As always, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga hasn't beat anybody any good this season. They have zero wins over likely NCAA tournament teams, unless you want to correct me. I missed something. Um, The only one that that might qualify for and barely here, um, they have a home win over Yale and Yale might well be a a quality Ivy League team that gets in the tournament. But we just that's not an at large candidate at this point. So to your point, that is accurate at this stage. Yeah. So um, I don't think they're going to build an at large resume. And then I just watched St. Mary's beat them at home. I, I will say. Gonzaga clearly has a better shot to win an automatic bid than Michigan State would have to win an automatic bid. So that's got to be factored in there somewhere. And maybe that closes the gap a little bit if you're picking between the two. But I think Michigan State still has a chance to secure an at-large resume. And I just don't think Gonzaga is going to be able to get there. Like What you're asking me to believe is that they're going to go to Rupp Arena this weekend and win. And I'll give them a shot just because Kentucky is – you know, been struggling lately, especially on the defensive end. But, um, I, you know, spoiler alert, I'll probably pick Kentucky in the final four and one. And that means that I think uh, Gonzaga is going to be 0 6 in quadrant one by the time we go to bed on Saturday night. And then it's going to, I agree with you, mostly come down to, if not entirely come down to, can they win the automatic bid? I think they can, but I, I at this point, I, I don't think they will. I will lean, I'll answer the question here too. Um, I'm going to say that Gonzaga gets in via the automatic bid, wins the WCC championship, and gets in that way. This was the case. I think I'm, I'm bringing it back right now. The year Gonzaga made the Sweet 16, I saw him in Chicago that year. Um, they won the WCC tournament, uh, and they got the auto bid. They were an 11. Uh, so I guess it, in retrospect... Maybe you have to look back. It's conceivable they could have missed out on the tournament had they not got the auto bid. So the program under Mark Few has been in this situation. Mm -hmm. It's just not that common. That 15-16 team uh, had a neutral court win over UConn that season. UConn was a top 30 Ken Palm team. UConn was a nine seed in the tournament. So that team had a win early on 
uh, against a quality NCAA tournament level team. It was really the only one. Uh, in addition, that season, uh, they've got swept by St. Mary's. So that's a relatively recent uh, instance where this has happened, Parrish. Um, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen a lot. In 2011, Gonzaga was a 24 and nine team after winning the WCC championship. And that season, it went to the tournament as an 11 as well. So we've had, you know, and then go back to the early 2000s. Um, they had one or two instances as well. So Mark Few has been in, the, I'm bringing these up because Few has been in this position before. Um, it's just been a little bit of a while here. And frankly, that 2016 Sweet 16 run, which started the current streak that Gonzaga's at where it's made, uh, what, eight, nine in a row of the second weekend. That's one of the longest streaks ever, obviously, and, and by far the current longest active one. He's been in this spot before. Brian Hamilton of The Athletic uh, recently took a trip out to Spokane, wrote a, a piece on Gonzaga being in this situation, period. And few spoke to that a little bit as well, talked about how the fan base, uh, understandably, has gotten a little spoiled here. So I don't think he's pressing. That said, uh, this is a huge, huge opportunity here. And I love that we're opening the show here on Friday morning talking about this game because um, it's just the third time these schools have met. They're in the game two of a six-game series. Gonzaga won last season. It's one and one all time. Kentucky won when they met back in uh, in 2008. Gonzaga's right now um, starting a stretch where we'll play three out of its next four on the road. And I got a couple of notes and thoughts on actually how I think the game will play out. But I do want to at least bring this up what GP mentioned uh, in his read off the top there. I very much love and enjoy and i hope that the people watching the pod listen to the show college hoops fans i hope you're like me in that this is a refreshing thing on this weekend saturday is a pretty solid slate all around it's got really nice just like last week and a lot of the stuff that's watchable it's staggered so you're gonna have stuff from noon all the way deep into midnight eastern which is great it's breaking down finally but to me the fact that we've got a non-conference game between two big time schools in an urgent situation um this was commonplace and and college basketball for decades, uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, obviously remember it in the 90s. And even in the even into the 2000s, this was this was commonplace to get scheduling where coaches intentionally wanted to break up their league schedules by playing a notable opponent in February for not just the purpose of of getting out of league play and maybe getting a little bit of a different look from a different team, but also getting a, a high profile opponent that at the time for, for a good while there, coaches uh, thought that a win over a, a non-conference opponent could actually inflate and help their seating or their situation with getting into the tournament. We've moved away. If you're wondering what, well, why have we moved away from it? Unfortunately, because conference real, like this really lines up. If not year for year, it's, it's about the same with, um, the 2010, 2011, 2012 uh, conference realignment that we went through then, where the you know you had Missouri's going to the SEC and Maryland going to the Big Ten, and just all that stuff, all that movement, inflated leagues, it created 18 game schedules, and now 20 game schedules, and now leagues are even bigger, so the inventory is not really available. Calipari, credit to him, because um, few has the flexibility with the WCC schedule to make this happen, uh, to to get the space, to get the real estate, and uh, to get this game done in non-league play in February. I think it's awesome because frankly, I expected when the six-game series was announced that all these games would be either in November or December. Uh, if Gonzaga and Kentucky can manage to do this more times than not over the next four meetings, I think it would be wonderful because it is a throwback and we don't get a lot. And frankly, we're almost never going to get it. You might almost have to have Gonzaga specifically 
so long as it's still in WCC, involved in a game like this because it would take moving mountains at this point. And it really is a bummer. Like, it's not the worst thing, obviously, but it's a bummer that we don't get this anymore. Like, you used to get, like, UNLV versus Arkansas on, like, the first February of the of the season there. And that was good stuff. It was good for the sport. This is a stand, not a standalone, but it is a, is a primetime big stage spotlight game, GP. And I love the fact that we're getting it. Uh, I thought we'd be getting it under circumstances where these teams were even a bit more comfortable than they are. But the fact that they're not makes it that much more urgent, and I appreciate it that much more. Evidence that it's possible to do stuff like this is the fact that we have this game this weekend. It can be done. You just have to make it happen. I, and I'm not anticipating this will happen, um, I would like it if people would just think bigger and like more broadly about what's good for the sport. If like, you know, three or four of the best leagues in the country or, you know, 30 of the best teams in the country all said, hey, let's pick out a weekend in February where we're and, and we got to coordinate it with our leagues, but we're going to have this, that Saturday off. They're going to have that weekend off and we're going to schedule a non-league game against another quality team. Like I, I it, it look, I'm fired up for Kansas Baylor, you know, yeah. uh, you know, league games are fun, too, but I like just getting something a little different. So deep into the calendar, you know, John and Mark used to do this uh, Gonzaga Memphis, right? When they both had you know, sort of similar motivations. They were both running through their leagues, Gonzaga, WCC, Memphis, CUSA, and then they could get together in January or February and test each other, um, launch themselves back onto the national radar. And I think both programs benefited from that. Obviously, the Kentucky doesn't need that, like Memphis needed it in that moment. But I do like that John and Mark have uh, agreed to, to do this game uh, in February. I, circling back, I... Agree with you. I think Gonzaga needs it more for all the reasons we laid out. Kentucky does need it, though, because if only because okay. I know. Oh, I'm aware. It's the, the fans are they just make it, and I'm not even blaming like the fans, like all oh, those crazy fans. I'm like they're understandably frustrated. Yeah. Um. You know, Kentucky right now is two and four in quadrant one, three and one in quadrant two, five and five in the first two quadrants with a Q3 loss to Wilmington. I honestly don't know why. Kentucky is ranked 17th in the AP poll other than it's the AP poll. You can't find um, a single computer number that will support that. The resume does not support that. They're outside of the top 20 in every notable computer. Their strength of record is 33rd. Do you realize Gonzaga is actually higher in Ken Palm right now than Kentucky? Yeah. Gonzaga's 22nd, I, yeah. UK's 24th. And that's among the reasons Ken Palm only projects Kentucky to be a three-point favorite at home. I imagine the number will be a little bigger. But that is what Kim Palm is is projecting right now. Um, John Calipari has pivoted a little bit from we've got to be better defensively to we just got to get a little better defensively. He's sort of like, you know, moved the goalpost a little bit, which I, I, here's what he said. I'm paraphrasing. Tell me what yeah. you make of this. Because yeah. right now, as you know, you've detailed it. Kentucky is excellent offensively. They really can't score but they're 102nd in adjusted defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Bad defensive team. So John's new point is like, hey, we don't have to, you know, go be classic Virginia on the defensive end of the court. We just have to be a little bit better. We just have to be okay defensively. Like, just get five more stops in a 40-minute game against Tennessee, and you can win it. Just get two more stops in a 45-minute game against Florida. And you can win it. Do you buy that? 
Not that simplistic. Now he might think that because he's, you know, living through every possession. Uh, I think it's got to be a little bit more pronounced. How about this? It's got to be a little bit more pronounced than that, uh, particularly against the good teams, because I've seen it now too often and the efficiency just it's, it's going in the wrong direction. So I think it's it's got to be more than a little bit. It's not going to be a wholesale change. Kentucky fans, I think at this point um, would accept the fact that it is it is very rare. And I'd say it's never happened, but it's it's not common um, for a team to get to basically this point in the season and show you that it is a pedestrian team defensively and to change that, not even to being elite, but being aggressively different and much better. It, it very rarely happens. Um, we have we have so many games in. Now, teams can get to this point in the season, be pedestrian and bump themselves up maybe a stage or two. And I think that can be the case with Kentucky. But I, I it, it would be... Um, Really something remarkable if Calipari could actually uh, get this team. And by the sounds of it, he's just not. He knows that's not going to be the case. And so I, I don't think the difference between them um, getting back on track and suddenly winning the SEC is just being one play here, one play there. I, I personally don't think it's that. I think it's 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 a little bit more detailed than that. But take the steps when you can get them. And if those steps are all that you need in this kind of game against Gonzaga, that, that particularly because it's Gonzaga and Gonzaga's on the road, it should be able to uh, allow you to get there. I know you've got a thought to, to continue with, but I will I will note this. Kentucky leads the country in points per game, 89 and a half. Uh, it's had... GP, it's had how many games here has it had above 90 points? Because it is rolling. It's had 13 games over 90 points this season. That's the most in the country. Uh, Arizona has 11. Bama has 10. Indiana State has 10. Everyone else has nine or fewer. Kentucky with not, with 13 games of 90 or more. Gonzaga has been in that in, in that category many seasons recently, but it has not been that way this season. It has hit 90 or more a few times, but it has been mostly against bad teams. Pine Bluff, you know, in the, among the bottom 20 in the sport, uh, Jackson State, you know, hovering around 300 in Ken Palm. San Diego is actually a quality team and Gonzaga did drop 101 on them uh, 100 plus twice, uh, but it's not, uh, it's not offensively what it's been. And I'm curious in this game, if Gonzaga and Kentucky gets into a race to 90 and what that looks like for either team. Cause that has benefited Kentucky a lot. Um, and maybe it will in this one. Cause Gonzaga doesn't have that, uh, that, you know, hammer home offensive guy. Watson's good. It is intriguing. So a little bit of a long winded answer to your question, GP, but particularly with the defense in this game and, and will Kentucky want to be in another race to 90 is Gonzaga, the right opponent to, to choose to do that against. Well, I, I don't think there's any doubt that if Gonzaga is going to go on the road and upset Kentucky, they're going to have to score. Like this ain't going to be one you go on the road and you win at 68, 65, like you're going to have to go score. And Gonzaga is coming off of a game where they just scored 96. Now, it was 96 against Portland at home. That's different than trying to get 96 against Kentucky at Rupp. I right. think. I think. Just, not, just, we'll see. But I don't know if you bit. I don't know if you watched any of the game, uh, Gonzaga Portland the other night. It was a blowout. I, I, it was a blowout. It was on CBS Sports Network. Right. I checked in a little bit. Uh it wasn't even close. Portland is nine and sixteen, folks. Right. So uh Rostein, John Rostein, uh was there uh on the sideline and it was hilarious. Did you notice what was happening? I, I actually no, I did not. Okay. I was I had I had quad box at YouTube TV, but I did not yeah, have okay. money on. So it was it's sort of like inside baseball stuff. The reason I'm home this week, we didn't have studios in New York this yeah. week. Yeah, so that, I know, right? and they shipped they shipped them all the way, all the way out to a Portland and Zaga game. But but do you know why they did that? I mean, I I haven't talked to anybody about this. I, I don't. I, I don't. But like, we might need you to fill until we can get to like 
10 o'clock window. Oh, I noticed this. Are you talking about post game? It was the longest post game interview that's ever happened. He did few and then he did Watson. Then he did Braden Huff. Is that what you're yeah. getting at? Yes. The game went like an hour 40. Rostin had to feel 20 minutes. <laughs> I didn't know if it was that long. I did notice. I noticed that he, because uh, I, I brought up the sound because I was like, hey, let's see what Rostin's got to ask a few here. And he had some, he had some good questions. And then they brought in Anton Watson. Yeah. And then I, I switched was- to another game. And then I was like, they got Bray. Now he's doing Braden Huff, and like the 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 building has cleared out behind him. There's no one, and I was I was like, "What's going?" And then I noticed this is kind of inside baseball stuff. But then I noticed that they threw it out to the Bellagio where the sets are for the Super yeah. Bowl, and Zucker was was hosting all. So that was that was a uh, that was quite, that was a funny moment, and yeah. he was just uh, he was feeling tired. By the way, Braden Huff had 25. Yeah. He might be a factor in this Kentucky. So How do you I pick was- up on that? Yeah. I was texting Rusty the whole time. I was like, "Keep going, keep going. You got to get us to. You got to get us to ten o'clock, whatever, whatever time it was." Yeah. Um. So that that was again inside baseball, but he had. To, so it was a long post game, and uh, among the things he asked Mark about, you know, this game against Kentucky was like, "What do you have to do to go win one on the road?" You know, in a place like Rupp Arena, he said, "Shooting the ball the way we just shot the ball would help because Gonzaga was fifteen of thirty three from three. That's 45.5%. I don't know they got to go 15 to 33 from three, but they're going to have to shoot it like that to, yeah. to go into Rupp and win. They're going to have to go score points. I'm, um, And also, Mark did point out to Rostein something that you, you, you noted earlier, which is we've been here before. Everybody's freaking out, but like I, we've been here before. Um, he seemed more at ease about the current state of things with the Zags than – than I am because although I just predicted, I I don't think they're going to get to the NCAA tournament based on what I've seen this season. I want them to. I like one of my favorite ideas is that Mark Few could maybe retire someday without ever having missed the NCAA tournament. Like that streak is intact right now, mm-hmm. and so I'm rooting like crazy for the Zags. Not necessarily at Kentucky. Don't put that on a message board, but just broadly speaking, to be in the NCAA tournament. I like that streak existing, but um. You know, just to bottom line it, I think you're right. They probably do need to go win at Kentucky this weekend. And despite what we've seen recently, that's a big ask. One last thing on the Kentucky defense, then we'll move on. Okay. I don't know if it's true that if we just like get a couple more stops a game, everything will be fine. I, I agree with you. It's it's a little more complicated than that. I still like that John is framing that. He's very good about these types of things. And I think sometimes when something seems like such a big task, if you can make it smaller and make it seem more manageable, it it makes it easier to wrap your head around it. Perhaps poor analogy, but like imagine you ain't put up laundry in three weeks and now you just got a big pile of clothes. Every day you look at it and it's like, I don't even know how I can get that back to where it needs to be. It seems impossible. But if somebody says, hey, can you just go in there and just get the towels can you just get the towels, fold them, put them in the closet? Then everything will be better. You're like, okay, I'd knock out the towels real quick. That's not a big deal. I'll do that. It feels a little more manageable. So John stopped trying to tell his players, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. We can't make this mistake. We can't. It's like, all right, because clearly that's not working. They are what they are. But if you can tell them, hey, we don't have to be a million different things differently. Let's just get a little, just a little bit, just a little bit. Right now, we're getting X amount of stops per game. Can we get five more? If we can get five more, we can win these games, and then we'll be on our track to wherever we're going. I don't know if it's an accurate representation of reality, but I do 
think it's smart to try to frame things differently for your players because clearly what they had been doing up until this point, it it hasn't worked. I got a note on this game, but I'm going to save it because we are picking this in the final four and one results of the poll to this point in the show. Will Gonzaga make the 2024 NCAA tournament? Get in by any means necessary at large or automatic bid right now. No leads the poll. No 55%. Yes. 45% would be the first time, obviously in a generation. We'll pick this game in just a little bit. Arizona won a thriller late Thursday. Too bad it wasn't on TV. We'll talk about Tommy Lloyd's Wildcats next. But first, let's get a word from our partners. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Final score, Arizona 105, Utah 99 in triple overtime. I read that it was on the Pac-12 network, but the Pac-12 network does not exist. It's a lie pushed on the American public for years. One of the greatest scams ever pulled on citizens of this country. Mm. Dead leg, I know you didn't see it. Nobody uh, saw it. I, uh, 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 uh. I saw it. No, you didn't. I did. Nobody I'll saw you, it. I'll tell you how I saw it. I was. I had the old score bug on the CBS Sports app up, and... Uh, Halftime, it's still interesting. Um, uh, you know, I'm watching a little bit of FAU, uh, UAB. We'll get to that in just a second. Checking in a Hall of Fame honors show. Got the Devin Hester jersey on today. My guy into the Hall of Fame. Big time stuff. Steve McMichael as well. Shouts to Mongo. Bears. So got a couple of Bears in the Hall of Fame on Thursday night. So I'm doing all that. And I'm like, Remember you know that what? night we went out with Brian Arlacher's brother? I do. <laughs> that, that, that did happen. <laughs> that, that absolutely happened. Uh, trivia time. Can you name the, can you name the hotel? Um. Yeah. No, there's yeah. No. Chance. No. No. I can. I can. You can. You can. All right. Was it? Uh, was it? Uh, what was it? Tell me. What was it? It was the encore. Really? It was, it, yeah. It was the encore. Yep. Okay. I encore don't remember Vegas. that at all. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm not shocked. Anyway, yeah. uh, shouts to Devin Hester, obviously, dude, to get into the Hall of Fame. I love to, I love seeing that. Um, so I, the point is this: at a certain point, like it's mid second half, and I'm like, this game is still close. All right, I got to see if I can find this game streaming because I don't have Pac-12 Network anymore. I used to have Nobody it. I don't have it. I know, I know the whole thing. I know. Watch on your refrigerator. We got all the tweets. I got it. So I go on a journey <laughs> I, uh, to places that require, you know, me to me to dawn, you know, hazard equipment, uh, Pac-12 network, Internet stream, Arizona, Utah, February 8th. <laughs> like, so I, I eventually I, I, I peer around corners and dive into, into caves and slip down rabbit holes and I find one. I find one that's got a couple of pop-up ads on it that I can't X out of the screen. So about 27% of my viewing is blocked off for the entire time. But I got the game and I did watch this game and it was uh, it was an awesome watch. It was the first it went to three overtimes. It was the first time Arizona got to two overtimes in that building since 03. Uh, speaking of Gonzaga, when Arizona beat uh, Blake Stepp in the Zags, uh, nine-seeded Gonzaga in the second round of the 03 tournament. Just an awesome tournament game. Uh, and a great building, by the way, Huntsman Center. That is a great, great spot for the NCAA tournament. Um and they wind up pulling it off, GP. Uh, Arizona sweeps Utah. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I got here because no chance in hell you watch this game. I mean, you just watch a score fresh on a phone and then, then you, you were stuck there. So, Oh, no, um, no. I woke up at 4.30 this morning to find out the result. Right. <laughs> oh, you were done. You were done before it went final. I think I was oh. done before it went final. I was dead. What went final first, Arizona or Florida Atlantic? A- Arizona by about 30 minutes, I think. Okay. Yeah. FAU took a while. Yeah. 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 I know I fell asleep during Florida Atlantic. Okay. All and right. I might have fallen asleep during Arizona. It's hard to remember sometimes. Arizona led 41-25 at the half. Uh, I, I thought Utah was going to win the game before it tipped even. Um, but uh, they came, Utah came back from, uh, from a 16-point halftime deficit. Um, Brandon Carlson had a big night. He's a really good player. 27 points, 15 boards. Uh, Davon Smith had a triple-double for the Utes. He had 14 points, 11 boards. 10 dimes, uh, but big ups to Pella Larson, uh, 27 points, seven boards, eight assists. And he was the best player on the floor for Arizona. From what I watched in this game, uh, he had a couple of, uh, of want to have it back moments. He missed, uh, missed key free throws that, that could have helped clinch it earlier, but nevertheless, like he came up big, uh, Umar Balo had 16 rebounds. Caleb love had 19 points and 10 boards. I think, I think he had, well, he shoot like twenty five percent from the field, but you know what? It was so Caleb Love. Like he had a couple of shots that kind of were the, uh, the 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 dagger, the nail in the coffin, and uh, he came up big there. So a big win for for Zona um, Love, by the way, on the road so far this season. He's averaging like twenty one points, and uh, and he's been he's been a guy that they've been able to rely on for the most part when they're playing away from their building, which is a big thing. Like coaches will tell you, like when we're going, like not just that it's hard to win on the road. We all know that. But if you've got guys who actually aren't rattled in that environment, and Caleb Love just isn't, uh, he came up big again. But Larson was the best player on the floor there. Uh, Utah still got a chance to play its way into the tournament, but this was a big missed opportunity. It was an awesome, it was a wonderful game. It was it's a genuine tragedy that this thing is on the Pac-12 network, and and <laughs> I'm fighting through the cops, the dark <laughs> internet, to try and watch this damn thing. But I did, I did pull it up, and I did enjoy what I watched there, and it was a, it was a quality. 
quality game with a great environment and Utah ne- nearly stole it. But uh, but this one might be the one they come to regret because if they don't get in, this might have been the one that would have flipped it the other way. I submit the Pac-12 championship was decided last night in Utah. I agree with this. Yes. You think that this result is kind of keeps keeps Arizona on the uh, on the pathway to uh, to a number one seed in the Pac-12 tourney? Yeah. I mean, they're nine and three in the Pac-12 now with eight games remaining. And so, like, they've only got a one-game lead over Washington State and Oregon, but Washington State and Oregon still both have to go to Tucson. And I think this is accurate. It's more likely that Arizona will win the Pac-12 by multiple games than it is that Arizona won't win the Pac-12. Say it again. It's more likely that Arizona will win the Pac-12 by multiple games than it is that somebody other than Arizona will win the Pac-12. Yeah, Arizona finished second or worst. Uh, I I agree with that. And so let's just fast forward a bit. Tommy Lloyd's about to finish his third year as a head coach. Mm -hmm. If it goes the way it appears, it's going to go. He's going to have two Pac-12 titles to go with a second place finish. He's already got two Pac-12 tournament titles. He's already got a National Coach of the Year award. It's, it's genuinely one of the greatest starts to a head coaching career in the history of college basketball. It, it is. We'll talk about this in March. He's two and two in the tournament, and it will become a thing, a stigma, if he can't at least get Zona to the Sweet 16. So just got to get out of the first weekend because with all that excess comes big expectations. And obviously, that last year got uh, got bumped out by by Princeton. So we'll we'll see on that. But yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, have some stuff on Wazoo in the weekend preview on the other side of the break. But that was a. Uh, a big win, a gutty win. Man, Utah fought back, and uh, it should have had it there. There are many people in the chat saying you should switch your VPN to uh, to a location outside the United States, then you can actually watch it through uh, through YouTube, uh, I guess, YouTube Canada or something like that. I, I was close to trying to get get that get that way done. I'm, I'm aware of that, but I, uh, I pulled it out all the same. I knew I, I knew that Paris, there was... Not even a joke. I know there's 0% chance that Parrish was going to be able to watch this game. And when it was close, I was like, well, if Arizona loses, like I want to speak to what I'm actually seeing here. And so and so there we go. Other game on Thursday that you were asleep for, mm-hmm. FAU. And I did think, I thought I thought both ranked teams on the road were going to lose on Thursday. Only one of them did. And Florida Atlantic was that team. Uh, it also, um, you know, got caught in a, in a big time environment um, and got caught in a bonus session game. They lost in OT 76-73 they almost won it in regulation. So I don't even know if you've seen the highlights, but uh, Blazers had a chance to win it on their final possession of regulation. Shot missed. FAU was in transition, opted not to call a timeout, which I liked as it was playing out. I was like, don't call timeout. They didn't. They had a tricky lob, but a catchable lob to Vlad Golden, who did not corral it. Uh, Time expired. You run that play, you like you run that play again like ten times. I think Golden probably snatches it and, and throws it down eight out of ten times. So a little bit of an unlucky break. Golden actually did not have himself a, a good night. He was um, eight points, three of eight shooting. He had, I want to say, he probably gave away. And sometimes you just have a tough night on the road. Like I get it. Um, he probably gave away like six to eight points, uh, either buckets he should have had or buckets given up. Uh, I will give a big shout. To Yaxel Lendeborg. Yeah, you heard me. Yaxel Lendeborg of UAB, 6'9 junior. Guy went for 17 points and 21 rebounds in this game, including a couple of huge ones in overtime where UAB, I think he got two offensive boards on one possession and either on the uh, 
previous one of the one after that, he also had a, uh, a another key offensive board to to give UAB another shot to uh, to get them the win there. So uh, credit to Andy Kennedy. FAU has never won at UAB. It is 0-8 all time. Um, tough scene for FAU trying to, you know, ensure that it's going to be wearing home whites in the first round and dodge that 8-9 game like it uh, like it had to play out of uh, last year. It's now 18-5, 8-2 in the league. That means South Florida, who we brought up on the last show, alone in the American Athletic Conference ledger atop all others at 9-1. and one. FAU is... Uh, is eight and two there. Where do you have the Owls as of Friday morning in your top 25 and one by virtue of losing? Was this a quad one loss GP? I think quad, two quad two loss. I thought it was quad two. I didn't know if, I didn't know if you bit UAB did enough to flip overnight or not. It's almost a quad three loss. Oh, it's that low. Well, UAB is 123 in the net. Okay. If they get outside and eight overall for UAB, if they yeah. get down to 136, that's quad three. Okay. FAU's out. They're out. Okay. Out. Look at you. That was a uh, remind everyone. Where'd you have them in the preseason? Oh, I don't remember. I can't okay. remember. I, th- I think you had him number four. Keep I don't know if that's right. I can't think. I don't know. I don't remember. We'll have to look that up someday. Okay. Remind me to look that up someday. Yeah, people will. <laughs> I got to get them out of there. They're, they're now they're, they're six and three in the first two quadrants, but they also have a quadrant three loss and a quadrant four loss. Yeah. Um, and that UAB loss could flip to quadrant three if the Blazers go just a little bit the wrong direction. They're um, now outside of the top 25 in the net, outside of the top 25 at Ken Palm. Um, I think they're good. I still think they can get in the tournament and win games, but you, you can't keep losing games like this um, in a league like this um, without damaging your ranking and, by extension, your projected seed. Jerry Palm had them as a sixth seed you know, before the loss at UAB. You tell me you're the expert on seed line bumps. Is that a seed line bump? That's a seed line loss. Oh, seed no. line loss. Bump is seed line. Seed line bump. Loss down. Seed line loss. Yeah, seed line loss. And I, 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 I haven't looked at every resume right now. To me, when I look at this, that looks like an eight seed right now. To be honest, that does. Um, hey, the good, the good news about being an eight seed though is that if uh, you win your first game, you might get to play a sixteen in the round of third two. That's, that's, that's you know, got to look at the you, bright side, dead leg. You are. I, uh, that is. It's it's only happened twice, but yes, that is true. That there is that potential. Uh, that that could be the case there. So they so have I been. Got, I, been got, t- I got. I got. Yeah, go I got Florida Atlantic out, and I so, have inserted in at number twenty six. Wazoo. They're really close. Okay. I've got them really close. I went with Clemson. I've now got Virginia okay. twenty five, Clemson twenty six. But to your point, Washington State's right there. Like I really have Washington State very close to the top twenty five more. Uh, we'll get to Washington State in uh, in the weekend preview. And yes, I noticed some folks. Uh, you know, we last podcasted Wednesday morning. The biggest game of Wednesday night was Auburn Alabama. We'll talk Auburn. I'll mention Auburn's game this weekend, and we'll give the Tigers a little bit of love. You got a big time win. We're not going to ignore your Tigers. It's just been a couple of days since that went down, so we'll get to that uh, as well. GB, if you, unless you got anything else, we might as well get to the final four and one, right? Oh, but man, you kidding me? I can't wait to get to the final four and one. You're, you're looking at a man who went five and zero last week. Can I replicate? my success we'll partner. see we'll see partner, partner. just got we'll partner let's go. first partner. let's come on partner. bring me a partner partners i don't want to brag this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. The last thing I want to do do is brag. First thing you want to do, and this is the third straight show. I didn't realize it was this bad, though. Go ahead and tell tell everyone what we did. I don't want to brag. Say it already. Of the final four and one presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, make every moment more. So, Nada, if you could open your mic and please update us on the record. I don't want people to have to hear it from me because I I fear it comes across the wrong way. Like I'm doing a little too much patting on the back. So, Nada, if you could open your mic and just update us on the records, please. Well, GP, you went 5-0, and oh, and you are 37-27-2. You are 10 games over 500. <laughs> boy. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That sound, what's, what is a dead leg, Frick? He went 1-4 and four and is 34-30-2. You lose. That feels insurmountable. So should 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 That's me. It feels insurmountable, but we'll see. Game one, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, number 10 Illinois at Michigan State inside the Drew Neitzel Center. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network, network of stars. Kimpom has it, Michigan State minus one. Hmm. If I'm gonna get back on my uh, on my groove here, I'm gonna, need, I'm gonna need that music just a little bit louder, Nada. You know, I gotta hear it. Illinois, Michigan State. Illinois beat. Feels insurmountable. Famous last words. Illinois beat Michigan State earlier this season, January 11, 7168 in Champaign. Um, couple keys to the game here. How about this? Illinois has had 86 or more points in five of its last six games. Uh can it get in? Can it get that done again in the Drew Nigel Center? Um, turnovers are something to watch in this one. Illinois' opponents, on average, it, they're only giving it up nine point four times per game. Okay, Michigan State is averaging just ten turnovers per game. So Sparty's going to have a chance if those trends continue. Uh, if Illinois can't force the issue, MSU takes care of the ball. Tyson Walker with another big game here, potentially. Potentially. Um, let's uh, let's see what they can get done there. Uh, from a resume standpoint, Michigan State against top 50 net teams. Here's what they've done this season. Number four, Arizona, loss. 13, Illinois, loss. 14, Baylor, win. 15, Wisconsin, loss twice. 20th, Duke, loss. 22nd, Indiana State, Boy, look at that game, and look at how that's uh, helping the old resume for Michigan State at this point. That was a win for uh, for Sparty there. So um, keep an eye on uh, on the boards as well in this one. Uh, Michigan State needs to keep Illinois off of the offensive glass. It will ruin them if they cannot do that. And this is an, uh, the Sparty team that's coming off a loss at Minnesota. Um, 
They only scored 56 points in that game. It was the lowest they've had this season. And yeah, if you're a Michigan State fan, you're just hoping for some sort of plot twist because you're one in six in your last seven games against ranked opponents. Illinois obviously ranked. I will pick the Fighting Illini on the road in this game to uh, to win all right. Or as we like to say on the pod, straight up. Um, I told you earlier, I think Michigan State's going to somehow, some way, get to the NCAA tournament. I think they're going to need an at-large bid to do it. And that doesn't make this a must-win game, but, buddy, it'd be nice to have it. It'd be nice to have it. Mm-hmm. I think they need this more than Illinois needs this. They'll obviously have home court advantage inside the Drew Neitzel Center. Um, I'll take Michigan State at home over Illinois. Game right. two. That's, that's what I like to see. Let's go. Game two Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. The mountain situation starts right there. Game two Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. It's Gonzaga at number 17, Kentucky, inside Arison, Aaron Harrison uh, Arena. That's who started over Devin Booker at Kentucky. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Ken Palm has it. Kentucky minus three. It worked for 38 games. What do you want from the man? All right. Um, all right. How about this? Anytime well, you can put Devin Booker on the bench for Aaron Harrison, you got to do that. You got to do it. You got to do it. Uh, on the Gonzaga side, uh, I mentioned earlier, keep an eye on Braden Huff. He just went for 25 against Portland. It was Portland. Uh, but he's had three games this season with 20 or more. I think they're going to need that from him. Anton Watson, his last eight games, he's averaging 16.6 points, shooting 74% from the field, 45.5% from three, and with eight rebounds. Anton Watson has been better than people realize, but because Gonzaga doesn't have a notable win, people aren't taking notice. Maybe this is the game where he is just a stud and uh, carries Gonzaga to win, and then we're like, well, damn, they, they, they do have a dude. Because Watson is a dude, uh, but he's not, you know, the outright offensive alpha that I think uh, people need. He's also very, very good defensively. So um, his presence on that end of the floor could be huge here. Um, Kentucky, right now, did you realize that uh, it's shooting 41.1% from three-point range this season? Where do you think that ranks nationally? Uh, top five. It is number two in the country, 41.1%. Kentucky and Baylor are your best three-point shooting teams in the country. Uh, We will talk about Baylor in the next game. Spoiler alert there. Meantime, Gonzaga opponents, and keep in mind, I understand the WCC factors into this. uh, Their opponents are shooting 31.5% from three-point range, and Gonzaga's also played some high-level teams. So there's a 10-point percentage difference there. Um, Let's go a little fun over-under here. Uh, Over-under 36.5% three-point shooting from Kentucky in this game on its home floor. Under. Ooh, I thought you'd say over. I'm going to say... I'm going to say over. So I'll go over 36.5% from three for Kentucky. You will say under. Um, keep this in mind. Kentucky is 10-1 and one this season when it makes at least 40% of its threes, which would you know stand to reason. It's good shooting. But when it's under 40%, it's 6-5 and five this season. So under 40% from three-point range for Kentucky, 6-5 and five record. 6-5 and five record when it doesn't get to 40. It's got one loss when it's hit The four. idea that they've got to get to 40% from three to win is insane. It's well, that's that's what the data shows to this point. So keep that in mind when you watch this. Uh, they uh, Kentucky getting the forty percent. Um, they should uh, they should win. Now they can they they've won without doing it, but it's a six and five record when they haven't hit forty percent. Um, that's a good little stat. You might want to take that to HQ. I might have to. Um, I, Gonzaga gets it done more frequently inside the arc, and we'll see if they rely on that here. If they kind of get into a trading three point game with them, um, I do have another good Gonzaga stat for you in this realm. 
Gonzaga is 14-1 this season when they get at least 54.5% shooting inside the three-point line. And when they are when they are under 54.5% in two-point shooting, they're 3-5 and five this season. So, to recap, Kentucky wins when it gets 40% or better from three-point range. Gonzaga wins when it's 54.5% or better from two-point range. That in mind, I will take Kentucky mm-hmm. to win and to cover on its home floor. And if neither of those things happen, particularly the win, um, yeah, it's going to be calamitous in Lexington, uh, undoubtedly, because uh, you got uh, a Gonzaga team that hasn't proven anything yet. This is, whoo, it could be uh, tempestuous with a loss here. I will go I will go with the Wildcats to get it done. I'm about to blow your mind. Okay, let's go. Kentucky will shoot below 40% from three. Gonzaga will shoot above 54.5% from two. Okay. And Kentucky will win the game. Okay, there we go. It may very well. That, that, that won't surprise me if that's the case. It I, will just break can't, the I can't trust a team that's 0-5 in quadrant one and hasn't beaten a likely NCAA tournament team all season just go in to Rupp Arena on a Saturday in February and win. I, I, they might. I hope it's an awesome game. I can't wait to watch it. But I will also take Kentucky minus three. And we... As we noted earlier, I think that number will be bigger than that. I think it'll come in at four, four and a half. It'll I would be a agree little, with that. Yeah. It'll be a little bigger than that. So we'll we'll both lay Kentucky minus three. Game three, Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Number 13, Baylor at number four, Kansas. Inside Gasnola Fieldhouse. You can watch it on ESPN. Kimpom has it. Kansas minus three. Ooh, it's another little number. This number will also be bigger. It's got to be, right? I mean, minus three Kansas at home against Baylor. This is the game day game, by the way. Um, I got some good news. Hmm. I debated, I debated not telling anyone this, hmm. but I'll just give it up. I'm feeling, I'm feeling generous here on a Friday. Nick Saban's going to game day. He is going to game day. I heard that. Uh, heard from Mr. Shulman, oh. and he did not know how he missed us talking about this a week ago. Uh, <laughs> as the crowfire referenced guaranteeing us that it will happen when uh when duke carolina have the rematch because that will almost certainly be a game day game so god bless that man so bless keep an eye man. keep an eye on that one yeah yeah that will be going into the sound soundboard drop uh when that happens so that's uh, that's big time stuff from dan right there we appreciate you um this is the game day game it's the biggest matchup of the weekend arguably um baylor at kansas um baylor's won three straight Kansas hasn't lost in this building since uh, January 21 of last year. It's been more than a year. That was a, that was that weird TCU blowout. Don't know if you remember that at all, but it I was. I do remember that. It was a crazy one. Uh, I don't remember, remember where I had Florida Atlantic in the preseason, but I definitely remember that TCU game. You had FAU fourth in the preseason. I tried to talk you off it, but you refused to do so. Um, I remember. That. Here's where we're at now. Uh, in years past, we had talked about uh, when occasions would come up when Baylor would play Kansas at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Remember what the the default talking point was oh i've got it on february 1st 2017 yes kansas you got this at the ready wow i'm ready to go baby okay let's go after kansas beat baylor at allen fieldhouse on february 1st 2017 scott drew dropped to owen 10 at allen fieldhouse while bill self in that same moment's record inside that same building was 217 and nine Scott Drew, in that moment, had lost more games at Allen Fieldhouse than Bill Self had ever lost at Allen Fieldhouse. It's no longer true. 
I believe Bill now has 17 losses at Allen Fieldhouse. Oh, then that my notes right. If it's 17, okay, I had 16. If it if it's 17, this is not this doesn't apply. If it is 16, then Scott Drew has 15 losses at Allen Fieldhouse, which That's meant right. that if Kansas were to beat Baylor on Saturday, uh, if that was true, but it might not. It might be two away. It would have been a situation where Scott Drew and Bill Self would have the same amount of losses at, at, at Allen Field. Which Hockey. is just wild because this isn't it's, like... That it, is a joke. Are you kidding like me? It's not like we're doing Bill Self against some guy at some... like Scott Drew is going to be a Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame coach. <laughs> He's won a national title, and he is 1-15 in 15 all-time in Allen Fieldhouse. Just unreal. Um, I hope it's 16. Because I want it to be, I want it to be back on. Uh, and by the way, level. you realize Baylor is one in for one in a million all time. They've only won once. I know, they've only won once. Clemson is better all time at Carolina <laughs> than Baylor I, is I, at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. When I was going back and looking at this stuff up, I found the game story from that day when Baylor finally won at Kansas. I think it, it was, was 2020, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Oh, just before. Just uh, before. Let's keep going. Just, just keep before. going. Yes. Woo. What a, what a time that was. And after the game, they asked Scott about, like, what did it mean? What does it mean for Baylor to get its first ever win in Allen Fieldhouse? And he said, I was, I was, I was hoping I would be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. That's good stuff right there. I like that. Uh, I, this is gonna, I would think this line's going to be bigger. Yeah. Um, Baylor's issues uh, stem from its defense. Uh, Again, this is this is the number one, uh, 41.2% from three-point range in the country. Kentucky's 41.1. They're essentially tied. Best three-point shooting teams in the nation. Baylor has a really good offense. Its defense isn't as bad as Kentucky, but they've got a lot of similar issues there. Baylor relies on its veterans just a little bit more overall. And Ray J. Dennis is a key player. He's going to have to show up big in this game. A week ago, I told you Baycott was going to be a key to victory over Duke. And this one, I do think it's Ray J. Dennis. Um you know, having a big time game from three, distributing, being on the floor for nearly 40 minutes. Uh, but I also think like the roles of like Eves Misi, like can he be a serious contributor and, and help shut down Dickinson? Like they're going to need an all around effort and hope to get lucky. And I mean lucky by having any of Kansas's players getting foul trouble in that building with a team with not a lot of depth. I'm not going there. I will have Kansas winning and I'll get, I'll give you a score here. I'll go. Kansas wins this one. 79, 72. Um, I'm also going to take Kansas. I just, I mean, you get, how about this? Kansas minus three or lower against literally anybody inside Allen Fieldhouse and other than the Celtics, maybe. And I'll, I'll probably have to take them. So I'll take Kansas. But Baylor, Baylor's sneaky good, man. And maybe sneaky is the wrong word. I guess my point is. We I, had him top, I had him top five preseason, by the way. You took FAU. I took Baylor. Keep going. <sighs> Damn it. You're welcome. Um, like we spend so much time talking about the tip top of the sport, right? And that's UConn and Purdue and Houston and Kansas gets in there and Carolina gets in there and Tennessee gets in there. And Baylor has never really cracked that conversation, but this season, but Baylor's nine and five in the first two quadrants. They have five quadrant one wins, zero losses outside of the first two quadrants. I've got them up to 10th in the top 25 and one. And I just filed my, uh, latest mock draft for the 2024 NBA draft. Obviously, they've got, um, you know, uh, Ray J. Dennis, as you mentioned, but like two projected first round picks in Missy and, and Jacoby Walter. So this is not only a good basketball team; it's a it's a talented basketball team with with likely, you know, multiple likely first round picks on it. Like 
I, I just think because and correct me, maybe I just maybe I just like didn't. But but we talk about all these teams at the tip top of the sport, and Baylor just has never quite been able to crack that conversation. I mean, let them go win at Allen Fieldhouse this weekend. They'll crack it. They'll probably lead Sunday uh, Saturday night's podcast. I mean, I had that conversation in the preseason. You just didn't want to have it with me, so you know. I was focused on the Owls. You're welcome to join me whenever you'd like. That being said, uh, I'm here now. I'm yeah. here now. That being said, uh, we both have Kansas winning this game. Nada has messaged us no no game three rule. Parrish has not picked a different game outcome for me in game three in like five straight weeks. So I think he has now gone entirely reverse and he is mandating he picks the exact same outcome yep. as me for game three. This is how this is how you this is how you actually this is how you actually this is how you make it insurmountable. Yeah, you're trying to game the system. Trust me, I'm aware of that. What's the next game? It's just like the Big Twelve is done with the net rankings. Explain to the audience why you picked this as game four, by the way, because this feels like cruel and unusual punishment. I'm genuinely curious why you picked this game of all the games for game four. I mean, it's the team that's number one in the top 25 and one against a blue blood program from its own state. Game four is Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's Indiana at number two, Purdue in Etwan Moore Arena. You can watch that on Fox. Kimpom has it. Hold up. This cannot be right. <laughs> yes, it is. So why did you pick this game? This can't be right. It is. Double Give, check. Tell people there is what the no number is. no way a Blue Blood program is a 19-point underdog to anybody ever. That's in, That can't be right. Not a, delete that one and make it Purdue minus nine. That can't, That's disrespectful Not to nine. the Hoosiers. 19. 19? Purdue won by 21 at Assembly Hall earlier this season, by the way. What? So the number is smaller than Purdue's road win. I don't... I, uh... You know how I feel about Purdue. I've got them number one in the top 25. What I'm, what I'm about to say is entirely speculative in nature. I want to be clear on this. This mm-hmm. is not... Uh, this was a conversation with someone in the industry I had uh, on Thursday, uh, just by coincidence, among other things that they brought it up. Um, and they wondered uh, if Indiana doesn't make the tournament, which it's not tracking to do. And if it, it just kind of, you know, ends on this, this trend here where and Indiana had to rally the other night to, uh, to win at Ohio state, Ohio state's completely imploded. Um, well, that's actually what we were talking about was Ohio state and Chris Holtman and all this stuff. And, and what's going on there? And will he hold on to his job? They've got an AD change. Um, and this person kind of wondered aloud, you know, Indiana has been doing a lot of losing lately. Um, if they continue to do this, would Indiana try and move off of Woodson because they might be terrified that Dusty May will go anywhere else and then they can't get him kind of deal? Um, I don't know. Um, but Indiana fans told me Mike Woodson's the guy. All right. And that I'm crazy. So I don't, I, I don't know if, I, don't know I, I didn't. I didn't. I honestly didn't think, and still don't think that this is going to be Woodson's last season. Although uh, Greg Doyle wrote a pretty—I don't want to say it was scathing, but it was—it was a takedown um, after the the home loss last week against Penn State. It's really what, like I think has prompted a lot of this. Uh, and Doyle's voice obviously carries a ton of weight in that state. He's a former national columnist for CBS Sports. Um, so that's just intriguing. I don't know. I don't know if we'll. I don't know if we'll. Uh, if we'll get to that point or not. What do they want from Mike Woodson? I mean, the guys. I mean, they're still safely in the top four in the state of Indiana, according to Ken Palm. I mean, they've fallen back a little bit. It's ninety sixth. They're ninety sixth, and I saw this from actually mentioning Purdue GP. I saw this from Cobra Stats, which is an independent stat uh, stat fella that uh, does a lot of Purdue based stats. 
this might not be true now in the moment because they're 96, but as of like five days ago, Indiana was like 101 or 100. I think I think Indiana was 100 and Michigan might have been 101 mm-hmm. in Ken Palm. And it was the lowest ranking for each of those programs at Ken Palm in the past decade. Like this week was their low. It was, was the Nadir, um, which is obviously tough stuff there. I'm going to take Indiana to cover in this game, by the way. 19 is a lot. I understand they're going to Mackey. Produce powerhouse. Produce should win with ease. 19 is just a big number. It is a rivalry game probably come to regret it but whatever i will take mike woodson's hoosiers to get inside of 19 points uh, i wonder what the actual line on this is going to be 19 feel, that feels bigger than the line i'll guess the line's like 16 and a half uh and i still might even take indiana there but if it's 19 give me the hoosiers um indiana state Ken Palm rankings Purdue's number two indiana state's 34 butler 49 indiana 96 so i'm um, still in the top 100 you know gotta look at the positive dead leg uh, if you're curious, uh, past three years, Mike Woodson started 30th at Ken Palm in year one, finished 48th, 12th at Ken Palm in year two. That's where they started, finished 30th. And this year started 50th at Ken Palm, currently 96th. So that's moving the wrong direction in three straight years. Um, I got to root for the top 25 and one. You know that. You know that about me. Purdue is number one in the top 25 and one. Because Purdue is a national best, 15-2 and two in the first two quadrants with eight quadrant one wins. Number one in strength of record. Number one in KPI. Number one in the top 25 and one. Ahead of UConn in every computer we've ever referenced on this podcast. But still behind the Huskies in the AP poll. I'll take Purdue. I'll lay the 19. All right. Look at you. Okay. That's got a little uh, little spice to it. Houston, by the way, still number one at Ken Palm. Let's take a tour around the weekend here before we do our and one game as usual. Friday night's got a couple, pair of good games. Number 18, Dayton at VCU, 7 Eastern, ESPN 2. Uh, good little test for the for the Flyers there. VCU has done well in, in first year under Ryan Odom. And Siegel Center is going to be jumping. That's a great Friday night, 8 10 affair. Uh, Dayton. Uh, if I was GP, I wouldn't drop Dayton out of the top 25 moment with the loss there. They are so highly ranked. A reminder, they're in GP's top 10. I would think that's not going to be the case. One road loss against a non-projected tournament team is not going to drop them out of the rankings there. Uh, that being said, if they were to lose at VCU, they're 18th in the AP poll. Don't trust the AP voters. We'll wait and see on that. The other one is 8 Eastern on our air, CBS Sports Network. Uh, Mountain West, is, it's every damn week, uh, every damn night practically. San Diego State is 24th in the country. It plays at Nevada. And... Um, Nevada with a home win here would uh, would bolster a situation even more, uh, get itself maybe into that 10 seed territory, uh, maybe even four line back into a nine line with a win there. Two good Friday night games. Now let's look at Saturday games, not on the final four and one number 11. Wisconsin is at Rutgers. Um, Wisconsin is coming off a loss at Michigan. Weird one. Was that Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday. Uh, bizarre game. We've already established there's the two game skid. I said recently a slide is three games. Wisconsin's trying to dodge the swoon. Four straight losses is a swoon, folks. Can Bucky avoid the swoon at Rutgers at the rack? Noon tip on Saturday. Keep an eye out for it. Worth a drive-by, worth a check-in. 12.30 Eastern on Fox. Number 19, Creighton at Xavier. Let's see if Xavier can get the win. Going to have to take a look. Take a look at uh, Xavier's resume if... uh, if they can win this game at home, they're maybe closer to the tournament conversation than people realize, but you got to win the game at home. Uh, I'll, I'll cruise through here. Uh, huge Ivy League. Ivy GP, 12th in Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. Highest rank ever, just like last year. Two undefeated teams. 
if the Saturday wasn't so loaded, I just went to Yale last weekend. I might do this again. 17 and three Cornell at 15 and six Yale, both undefeated in the league play. Uh, that's a two Eastern game. That's an awesome Ivy League tip. I wanted to give them a little bit of love here. Providence at Butler, two Eastern on FS1. Providence overcoming just an incredible triple overtime uh, win against Creighton earlier in the week. Uh, Kim English's team has a shot. That's an awesome Big East affair. With uh, that's a that's a bubbly game right there. And uh, Devin Carter is a freaking monster, man. Him and Josh Oduro, who had like thirty two in that game. Providence at Butler, two Eastern FS one. That is appointment viewing, no doubt about it. Also at two Eastern TCU at fourteenth ranked Iowa State on ESPN two. Auburn fans, here's your love. You beat Bama earlier in the week. You're at Florida, three thirty Eastern on SEC Network. Um, I thought it was a very impressive, although a physical and like foul-infested affair. There were like 61 fouls in that game, Parrish. But I thought that the way that Auburn approached the game and made it a no-doubt-about-it win was uh, was really impressive. I want to give you just a quick uh, room for chat here on uh, Auburn. Where do you have the Tigers ranked now? And any just uh, leftover thoughts about what they did? Because that was obviously the biggest game of Wednesday night. I have them 11th in the top 25 and one. Um they're obviously good. Computer number strong. Resume still just not quite there. I mean, they, they've got a bunch of quad two wins, but they only have two quadrant ones. As I pointed out in the top 25 and one, they are the only team, I believe, in the top 20 of the top 25 and one with fewer than three quadrant one wins. But, you know, they're tied for first with Alabama and South Carolina atop the SEC standings. How about this? Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to Bruce Pearl yesterday. And in... in um, advance of that conversation of just going through some numbers he's the 20th coach in auburn basketball history there were 19 before him those 19 combined in more than 100 seasons of auburn basketball to win three conference championships total 19 coaches Mm -hmm. more than 100 years of auburn basketball they won three conference championships bruce pearl right now is tied for first in the sec and if they win this title share it or win it outright Bruce Pearl will have three SEC titles in the past seven years. It's a hell of a nugget right there. That is, that is a huge, folks, that is a huge nugget from Gary Parrish. That's good stuff right there. Wow. Three in seven years, three in a hundred plus years. Mm-hmm. Pearl's doing a good job, man. Uh, that was a big time win. Auburn at Florida, Florida bubble team. Uh, big time opportunity for Dodd Golden's team. 330 Eastern SEC Network. Uh, number three, Carolina is at Miami, 4 Eastern ESPN. Just uh, maybe check in. That's all. I would think Carolina will win, but it's, it's on the road. We'll see. Miami has uh, has hit some some tough times as of late. Number five, Houston at Cincinnati is another just check in on it. Cincinnati, bubble team. There's a lot of teams that are like bubble teams that have advantageous. We're going to be talking on the show Saturday night, by the way. We'll get to that before we get out of here. So many road teams on the road, GP, against unranked competition. We got two top 10 teams on the road against unranked opponents. We know how that's gone this season. Carolina at Miami, fifth ranked Houston at Cincinnati, both at four Eastern on Saturday. Keep an eye on that. Mention Washington State. We will give the Cougars some real love on our next show if they can go and win at Oregon, five Eastern. Pac-12 network. Gosh, you hate to see it truly, but Washington State on the road and uh, will be unquestionably in the field if it can get in the, for the moment, if it can win a, uh, a game in the woods there. Keep an eye on that. Um, Marquette's at home against St. John's, 6 Eastern, FS1 on Saturday. Marquette's seventh in the country, should win, but St. John's, another bubble team, another big spot. A lot of these games on Saturday, folks. Tennessee at AM, 8 Eastern, ESPN. You have yet another top 10 team on the road against an unranked opponent. Keep an eye on that. And then 10 Eastern, FS1, Boise State at number 22, Utah State, another must see Mountain West affair as those teams try and uh, continue to get themselves in a better seat situation. Our and one pick Saturday, mm-hmm. 10 Eastern. On Askia Booker Court. Okay. It is number eight, Arizona, 
coming off a 55-minute game uh, on the ski trip, by the way. So the old uh, Utah to Colorado. I'd love to do it myself one day. The old ski trip um, uh, Pac-12 assignment at Colorado. Ken Palm has Arizona in this game, minus three. I will be intrigued to see what the actual line is. A reminder, we're doing this on Friday. The lines will come out um, later in the day. We don't have them from FanDuel just yet. Colorado is a quality team. Uh, they're 16-7. and seven. They are coming off a win at home, 82-70 over Arizona on Thursday night. They've got some real ballers here. But n- nonetheless, it's going to be on their home floor. I think this team's going to the tournament, and it's a dog on its floor. Who do you got in this game? I'm going to take Colorado at home. What's the number again? It's zone of minus three. I'll take the plus three with a home underdog. I just think Coach Prime's doing really nice things there. Mm, how dare you disrespect Tad Boyle? That's I unacceptable. I would not do that. I'm just, I, I, my comment was independent of Tad. Okay, was it? All right. Yeah. This didn't seem that way. Well, it was. Any other thoughts, sir? Nope, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> that's all you got. I, I will. Think, all- I, just winning on the run. I, I mean, if you want to, th- there is a pattern that has developed in this year. Colorado is an NCAA tournament ish team, right? I won't even say ish. I think they're going to get there with room to spare. But okay. uh, in the moment, well, maybe we've seen better. consistently this year is top ten teams go on the road and play unranked but likely NCAA tournament teams, and they get caught all the time. So, given that and the fact that you'll give me three points. I'll just take the three points. All right, GP, we're going to wrap this show in, in really a quick minute here. GP has notified me that it's raining in his parts of, uh, of the country. It's also raining where I'm sitting here up in Connecticut. He's got to get to his studio. But a quick note on this and quick programming note. Uh, this is a 10 Eastern game. We are going to podcast Saturday night because we got Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to give you a Saturday night recap pod. So if you're going to be around, please join us live on YouTube. We'd love to get uh, a real crew rallied here. And if you normally can't or don't watch the show, check in with us. We'll go live shortly after 10 p.m. Eastern when this game's going on. Um, but this is must-watch stuff. K.J. Simpson is averaging 19.4 points per game. He might be the most underrated player in the country. Uh, but him, Tristan Da Silva, Cody Williams, uh, NBA prospect to the max, younger brother Jalen Williams from the OKC Thunder. They've got dudes across the board. I think Colorado's in and going to get in comfortably, uh, but I'd like to see them back up my opinion here and show up and beat an Arizona team that really needed an escape hatch to get out against Utah. So I agree with you. Um, I'm going to take Colorado in this spot. And since we're going to go on Saturday night, uh, I think I said previously we'd pick uh, Super Bowl for Final Four and One, but let's save that. We'll save our Super Bowl picks and musings for late Saturday because that show will be live and into the feeds well in advance of the game kicking off on Sunday. That is your Friday episode. That is your final four and one. And uh, get ready. Plenty of stuff across the board. Uh, as I said, noon to midnight, we got good games, bubble games, big impact stuff. This is a this is a solid Saturday here as we all gear up for the big one on Sunday. I'm taking Taylor Swift. We'll get to that on Saturday show. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry and Metfantigo. He's a legend. Shouts to Huck and Larnell. Thank you guys once again for watching, listening to Ion College Basketball Podcast. Not subscribed. Please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. That should be reflected in the comments. Shouts to Devin Hester, by the way. Who is us? That's a us right there. He's got a Taylor Swift shirt on if you aren't if you aren't That's watching. That's a us. She's a us. Okay. <laughs> I, I can only presume so. Yeah, I pretty confident that's the that's the situation. Yes. She's Taylor a, Swift is one of us, yes. 
She has a long list of ex-lovers. Yes. She said that herself. Yeah. That makes her us. She's one of us. I knew she was. We'll talk to you again on Saturday night. Till then, take care.